Welcome to Teach Em Up, the podcast about teaching and learning. Uh, I'm Nick Williams. Today, we are sitting down with Jen Carla Magno, biology teacher and technical teacher extraordinaire, <laughs> um, to talk about the nitty gritty of teaching. So we're going to be getting into specific strategies and practices to directly incorporate into your classroom to amplify students' learning and to maximize what they're able to do. Jen, what's good? Thank you for having me. I'm excited. You are welcome. I've been super excited to get you <laughs> on, and I'm thrilled that we've finally been able to make the schedules work. Me too. Um, so okay. I invited you on here because you are probably my number one idol for technical, uh, brilliant teaching. Um, <laughs> I've had the opportunity to mentor a few like first-year, second-year teachers, yes. and through that process, they always have to go watch somebody. Yes. And inevitably... I'm like, okay, the first person you need to go see is Jen. Yeah. Um, and they, I say that because you seem to just have, like, the magic. Um, I, for the first four or five years that you were teaching, yes. I would walk by your room, and I'd be like, oh, Jen gets so lucky. She got another class of great <laughs> kids. Uh, and it took me, like, five years to figure out that it wasn't the kids. It was just any group of kids you got were magically attentive Sometimes. and yep. engaged and really working hard. Sometimes. Um, yes. Sometimes. Yes. <laughs> so um, that's kind of why we brought you on and okay. to talk about some of the magic stuff that you are able to do and how to do it technically great. Okay. Um, but first, how long have you been teaching? How okay. did you get into teaching? Uh, what brought you into teaching in the first place and what makes you stick with it? Okay. So I have been teaching. This is my, I think, 24th year. I started here in 1996. <laughs> Yeah, um, and uh, I got into teaching because um, I actually went to the school here. I really enjoyed science, and I liked my biology teacher and what we did in it. Um, I went on to college. I majored in biology, not knowing quite what I wanted to do. When you're young, you think, okay, I, I should go into medicine because I like science. Um, but I volunteer in a hospital and realized that was not for me mm -hmm. and all the schooling. I wanted to focus more on family and that kind of thing. So um, when I got out of college, I was, didn't quite know what I was going to do. Moved back home and uh, worked at Dominican College in the admin department. Um, and I had some friends going through the teaching credential. And I thought, wow, I really enjoyed um, my high school time. Um, and my friends were doing more elementary, but I knew... That was not going to be my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. So um, I went and did some observation and, you know, just made sure that I really, that was the level. And Dominican had a great, uh, you know, credential program. So I did that a year later. Um, and they placed me here at San Marin for my student teaching. And I had some great mentor teachers then as well. And uh, then they hired me for summer school at the time, Ooh. which was nice. I had summer school and um, then got hired from there. Nice. And I have enjoyed, I've taught biology pretty much the whole time and then like integrated sciences and different things along the way, but always bio was in there. Mm -hmm. And I have a love for that, obviously. Um, I still really enjoy it and find it very exciting um, and love still coming to work. So yeah. yeah. And I think that's such a tricky uh, decision early on mm -hmm. because it feels like when you've majored in biology, the default mm -hmm. is kind of to go into medicine of some kind. Yes. Um, I majored in biology and yeah. two of my college roommates majored in biology and they both went to med school yeah. and are very successful doctors. Yeah. Um, and so it's a tough choice mm -hmm. to not make that choice. Yes. 
Yes, uh, a lot of pressure. Yeah. 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 Or like just internal pressure. Yes, yes. Especially if you're a good student mm-hmm. and it's on the table for you. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I'm thrilled that you chose teaching. Yes, you I am to, too. It's yeah. been a great fit for me personally and my personal life, as well as just coming to work every day and um, that it's different every day, new challenges, keeps you on your toes, keeps you learning. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Awesome. Yes. All right, so let's jump in, mm-hmm. and we are just going to talk through a variety okay. of uh, strategies and practices that okay. you incorporate into your classroom. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're going to bang through these, uh, and we'll introduce them, and then talk a little bit about how you use mm-hmm. them and the benefits and downsides. Yes. All right, so first off, um, telling your students what they're going to learn. Yes. How do you do that? Why do you do that? Okay, so I know, you know, we do a what, why, and or what, how, and why on the board, um, but I do make sure that I do address that every day, uh, what we're going to be doing for the day and how we're going to be doing it, so they had some expectations. Even before it was a requirement, I always had an agenda on the, on the board, mm-hmm. so the kids, when they come in, would know what the expectations were and what we were going to be doing. Um, so I do use it to kind of think about, well, what is the big picture? What do I want them to get out of it? And how can I do that in a way that's a little more student-centered and them doing some type of activity or, you know, just a, a more centered around them? Nice. Yes. Um, and that seems to kind of be one of your strengths in terms of having, like, consistency and structure. Mm-hmm. Are you a warm-up question person? I have gone back and forth with that uh-huh. um, some years and for a while. Yes, every day we had a warm-up question. Uh-huh. It gets tricky in the fact that the instant, like, to go, it, like, if they do the warm-up question and then um, I pick, you know, someone random to go over it or do I collect it and grade it, that kind of thing. So I've kind of backed away from it um, with some of my classes and others I still use it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a... Yeah, yeah. I, I am not a warm-up question mm-hmm. person. I was for a few years, mm-hmm. like you. Yeah. Um, I stole every good idea that <laughs> I could see you using. And um, I found that I didn't really know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And it felt like I was killing the first four minutes. Yes. But I think having some kind of structure so yes. that students know we're in, we're starting, mm-hmm. and now we can mix it up day to day. Yeah. But at least we have officially started. Yeah. And having a, a clear start and a clear end is really nice and clean. Yeah. I would say it was nice when um, we had nightly homework or every period they came in with homework. It was an uh-huh. easy thing to add or go over and then add that question to and then they turn it in. Mm-hmm. But not having that anymore, that's where I think I just got with the logistics of it. Yeah. It got a little bit harder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so you start class by Mm -hmm. telling the students, here's what we're going to learn, here's how we're going to learn it, here's why we're bothering. Mm -hmm. Um, You also have a cell phone policy. Yes, that I enforce. Yeah. Yes. So that that sounds subtle, but so important. So important. That you actually enforce it. I think that's where my students never... There's a couple exceptions are allowed to have their phones. Um, For the most part, they're good about putting them in. I try and be consistent myself and at least look like I am always checking to see if they're on. I yell their names if they don't have it. If they tell me they got it taken away, whatever, that's fine. But I warn them ahead of time, if I find it on you, 
there are going to be big consequences. So I don't really care one way or another if it's in the caddy or it's tucked away in their backpack, but as long as it is not out or a distraction. Mm-hmm. And if it does, I'll take it away. And usually they have to come get it at the end of the of the um, day. I have a talk with them. I tell them that, you know, they've lot, you know, they broke my trust. Um, from now on, they're going to hand it to me every day. So I kind of, that's kind of how I handle it. Yeah. And I think yeah. we, we theoretically have a school-wide policy on cell yes. phones. Yeah. And then where it uh, thrives or fails yeah. is in the enforcement. Yes. And consistency of that enforcement. Huge piece yeah. is the consistency. Yeah. And, and that seems right. like an area that you really focus on. Like if I'm, bo- if you're going to bother to make yes. a policy, then you are going to be consistent in enforcing it every single time. I try. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah. obviously. It's been a couple of years and now I figured that I do have to be consistent. And uh-huh. so it is kind of worth the time at the beginning of the period to really check that. Yeah. I found. Yeah. Because I'm excited to get, sometimes I just want to get going mm-hmm. and I lose sight of that. But now I'm getting better. That's. And I, and they haven't really been a problem. I have rarely found a kid with one caught one and I'm pretty good at seeing mm-hmm. <laughs> that they're looking at their lap or whatever they're doing so 24 um, years of experience yeah. has told you that uh, yeah. there's nothing that exciting and in their uh, yeah, lap and, and I don't get around with it yeah. <laughs> and they know that um, okay so then the next piece is students are checked in mm-hmm. and focused mm-hmm. you've told them what they're going to be doing mm-hmm. um, and then what are students doing so um, students, I try and do a variety of different things. Um, if I'm going to plan out a lesson, I might have a little introductory, either sometimes a couple little notes or a modeling where I'm using the Elmo to model how to do something. Um, oftentimes I have them walk through it with me first, then they practice it on their own or they practice it in groups. Um, and as they're practicing, I come around and check. I really try and have that we're not doing something the same all the way through the period. Mm-hmm. Like I really try and chunk it out, mm-hmm. even if it's one of the short periods, because otherwise it gets too long <laughs> for them and for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I try and think of if this is something I've been doing a long, like we've been doing a lot of writing activities, I try and switch it up to do something different, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be a hands-on activity, a modeling activity, using the desks. Sometimes we'll use the Chromebook, online things, Often, but I don't want them on the computers all the whole period. So I try and chunk it out. Sweet. So let's go through each of those piece by piece. Okay. Um, My big philosophy is it kind of matters what students are doing. But really, as I think about what's uh, how I'm going to plan a lesson, Mm -hmm. the first question that I should be asking is what are students Mm -hmm. doing? Mm -hmm. Um, I am really self-centered, and it's easy to just think about what I am going to do. Like, oh, I will do this thing, uh-huh. and I'll explain it in this way, and here are the notes that I'm going to do. Uh-huh. And that completely misses the end product, uh-huh. which is student learning. And so I've found that I really have to think about, like, what are students going to be doing? And step one is that it has to be something. Yes. It can't be listening to me. Yes. Um, so they have to be the active ones. Yes. Um, number two, it has to be preferably very active. And then number three, I have to explicitly say what students should be doing. Yes. Uh, if I don't tell them, I expect you to write this down, and yeah, a couple times, yes. <laughs> um, then they will not write it down. Yes. Those are not, like, Agreed. that nuance mm-hmm. is not easy to pick up, mm-hmm. even if it becomes almost a classroom policy. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm bothering to write, mm-hmm. you should write mm-hmm. too. Yes. It almost has to be like, we're writing on this page of your notebook. Everybody writes with me. Yes. 
So with like my notes and stuff, like if I'm going to do something like that, like a direct instruction, and I have a PowerPoint or I do put something on a board, I definitely go through because especially I have lots of freshmen and I like will highlight what the important thing out of the slide is for them to concentrate on just getting that down. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's fill in the blank notes and I can monitor and watch who's actually writing. And so if I see that they're not, you know, you need to write the fill this in, you know, I walk around. So um, I definitely always, they're never really there just, listening to me maybe some instructions but if we're doing instructions I put them on the board you know I model them so they have to actively you know kind of do that but most of the time I try and have them do something themselves yeah yeah so it sounds like there's kind of two, two key strategies there that you're including um you have like really strong teacher modeling yes so if you write they write yeah um, and you are demonstrating either on an overhead projector mm-hmm. or on a whiteboard, here's what I want you to mm-hmm. do. Yes. Um, and for a science class, it's really nice to have like a video monitor too, mm-hmm. uh, an Elmo or some kind of projector device yes. where Please you can show here's what I'm working on mm-hmm. and here's how you should do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like a teacher modeling piece. Yes. And then you also mentioned a whole lot of teacher monitoring. Yes. So if Very they're important. supposed to be working, mm-hmm. like... I, I walk by your classroom quite a lot. Yes. Uh, I don't ever find you at your desk. No. I would say my biggest philosophy is I'm going to model how I would like my students to behave or participate, whatever it is. So I my kids can't have phones. They're never going to see me with my phone. Mm-hmm. Like, my phone is put away. Um, I'm here on time, ready to go. I expect them to be here ready and on time. Um, I walk around to show that I'm involved in, you know, helping them. So I think that's part of it is modeling. Mm-hmm. And I try and model respect as well. So um, that's probably a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. The modeling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Um, so those are kind of like big picture philosophies. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go through some like nitty gritty okay. uh, pieces. So uh, strategy number one, think pair share. Yes. What is it? How do you use it? Okay. So um, this can- it's so funny because I do I do these strategies, but I don't always have names for them. Right. And then finally, like a couple of years, they're like, oh, I'm like, oh, well, that's what that is. So, yes, I do use it um, like at the beginning of something when I pose a question, maybe to just get it general and, you know, what's their prior knowledge, have them think about the question, and then I have them share together and talk about it. Um, and then I randomly pick some groups to share out. Um, sometimes it's writing. Um, and I'm trying to incorporate it a little bit more, um, as kind of like check-ins or self-reflection kind of things after we do stuff. So I'm incorporating it more and all of a sudden I'll be doing something and I realize, oh, this would be a good place to do this. Uh And then it kind of comes, or if I have the class next, I'll I'll do it in that class. So, Uh yeah. And I think that's another piece is like, we talk so much about the pendulum of teaching Yeah. and sometimes something gets presented and you're like, Wait, yeah. that's something that we yeah like we already do that yeah we just have a different name yes you can't just yeah. give it a new name and pretend <laughs> it's a new idea. Um, so this one sometimes gets called pair share yeah it sometimes gets called think ink pair share oh, right. yes. where you like think and then write down mm-hmm. your idea mm-hmm. and then talk to your partner mm-hmm. and then share out to the whole class yeah um, think right pair share you know yeah different variations. But the I idea is focusing on students should be doing something active uh-huh. so. Instead of you just telling them what to say, they think about it, 
talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. And even if they don't get called on, mm-hmm. they've already had the conversation. Yes. And if they get called on and they're nervous about speaking, not sure if they have the right answer, at least they've kind of talked it over with someone else. Yeah, they can steal the partner's idea. ELL students and stuff, it gives them an opportunity. Extra practice yes, with language. Practice. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so that's kind of like a thinking, yes. speaking strategy. Yes. Um, how about reading comprehension? Yes. So Obviously, language and vocabulary is tremendously important big. in biology. Yes. So if they have a reading, comp- like reading something they need to read, and I try not to make it very long, mm-hmm. maybe a page, page and a half at the most, I definitely have, we chunk it out into the paragraphs. A um, couple things, um, have them highlight or underline key ideas or new vocab. Um, and then make notes about what was the main, what do you think the main idea was or any questions that you have? And then have them kind of chunk through it and then kind of share out or I read over it or. Yeah. Yeah. So that almost feels like there's an annotating process. Yes. And then a summarizing process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find like I have a tough time convincing my students to do that mm-hmm. because it's slightly more work yes. than just glancing at the page yeah. and then thinking that you've probably hopefully read it. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of try when I'm introducing it to talk about how many of us have had that experience where you've gone home and you're doing your homework and you read through a chapter of something and then you get to the end and you go, oh, no, I have no idea what I read. Attention. Yes. Yeah. Like, I spent an hour and a half doing it, yeah, but not a clue. Yeah. Um, and then I talk about, like, okay, so in college, you're probably going to have 100, 150 pages of reading per week. It's really helpful to get good at reading well mm-hmm. and reading fast yes. so that you don't have to do it five different times. Yeah. Um, so It's nice to take those notes to help you slow down a little bit and right. process it. Yeah. Mark up the text. Mm-hmm. And if you get good at it, you can start doing it pretty much as fast as you're reading mm-hmm. so that it's not slowing you down. Yeah. We're going to spend practice. a little bit of time practicing yes. it so that it becomes yeah. second nature. That's probably something I could practice a little more with my students. Yeah. Yes. The why yeah. piece. Yes. Um, I really like annotating by having them write three to five words, mm-hmm. summarizing each paragraph mm-hmm. or each section of yeah. text okay. because it requires them to rephrase and uh-huh. process. Uh-huh. Um, highlighting is obviously a lot faster, mm-hmm. but I worry that my students just over-highlight. Yeah, that's And then true. I end up getting a piece of paper back that's <laughs> like, oh, I gave it to you white and you give it back yellow. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, everything is important. <laughs> but can yes. we narrow just a touch? Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think you have that same principle yeah. in writing the sentence at the end. Yes. Summarizing the main idea. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, okay, so sometimes they would be reading out of a textbook. Yes. Um, do you do any work through a textbook or how to parse through a textbook? I used to yeah. a lot more when we used our textbooks. Uh-huh. Now we're not using them as much and the kids have gotten away from using them. Yep. But I'm finding that I think that's not great for their comprehension or understanding. So I'm trying to go back to uh-huh. a little bit using the book more um, because the books that we have are at their level hopefully for yep. most of them, um, are at their level and um, what they need to know without getting into too much detail. Like if they go on t- the internet or whatever, it's sometimes just too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have done like a little, you know, um, scavenger hunt through your textbook kind of thing to, to um, start it off. And then usually when they have their first homework assignment or two, I go through and model, like I, we take the book out 
I look at it. What are all the key things? What do these little keys mean? What does this mean? What does that mean? How to use it? So I'll walk them through the textbook and what's there. Yeah. Um, it's a really, other than that. It feels like a really tough balance. Yeah. Because I think we've shifted away from the textbook because yeah. we don't want the textbook to drive the instruction. Yeah. We want the activity and the, like, we're teaching specific standards. Yeah. And we don't teach them in the same order that the no. textbook was written. I've never gone in the order of the textbook. Right. So we, we definitely do not <laughs> yeah. start on chapter one no. and move our way forward. No. Uh-uh. It's like, oh, we're going to do eight, nine. And yeah. now we're going to go back and do three, four, five. No. And now we're going to do 34, 35, 36. And we're just all over the place. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's a really nice resource That's for students That's how I feel, to too. Yeah. Because it has pictures in it. Yes. And generally, we have pretty decent textbooks. Yeah. Uh, and some practice problems yes, um, that require some like thinking and problem solving yeah. and some reading comprehension. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. just like reviewing for any test or quiz or project that they have to summarize, you know, mm-hmm. it's a nice reference for them. And even like as a parent and having my daughter mm. trying to help her in something. And I'm like, do you have a textbook so I can know like at what level, you know, just to like help her like focus a little bit. Um, I, it's a nice tool to have. I yep. realize to have at home at least. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there is, there's a, a huge value there mm-hmm. where I think that I'm being really clear, mm-hmm. yes. but I also remember taking a class in college. It was like an upper division math class. Yeah. And I was like, I love math. This will be great. Yeah. And uh, this was a graduate student teaching it. And he felt like he understood it better than a textbook could. So he didn't have a textbook for the course. Oh, God. And so it was just working off of the way that he solved things. Yes. And... I, you know, I ended up getting like a B or something in yeah. the class, but I was like, okay, that's the end of my math experience. Yeah. That was too challenging. Yeah. And I went to all the office hours and tried to parse through, but I just didn't have that resource to go back to mm-hmm. on like, what's another way yes. I could solve these problems? Yes, yeah, because there is. Yes. Uh, yeah, there's got to be another yeah. way. And yeah. this was before internet yeah. stuff was yes. that clear. <laughs> yeah. Now I think I probably could just look it yeah. up and I would know how to Khan Academy my way yeah, through exactly. linear algebra or <laughs> uh-huh. whatever it was. Um but I realized that, like, I'm not really a textbook teacher, mm-hmm. but there's also a degree of arrogance that I don't want to have, mm-hmm. which is, like, I know better than any other resource. Yeah. Um, which is not the case. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that I've started doing mm-hmm. is to try to show students that the notes and the instruction that I'm using is not just made up out of nowhere. Yes. I've been doing these textbook walkthroughs. Mm-hmm. So we start on a page of a textbook and we're like, all right, today we're going to learn about circular motion. Mm-hmm. So we're going to open up to chapter 11. Mm-hmm. And then we walk through page by page and mm-hmm. I have the textbook open oh, under yeah. the Elmo. Yeah. Uh, and I just like flip pages uh-huh. and then look at the diagrams uh-huh. and like uh, metacognition explain here's what I'm seeing mm-hmm. and here's what I think is important. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I found a bold word. Yeah. That looks like an important word. I'll write it down. That's good. Yep. Um, and so I'm writing stuff down on the board uh-huh. or on our TV projector. Yes. While I'm showing them what I'm looking at yeah. to get it. You're, sh- you're going through the thought process. Through the thought process yes. of how yep. do I not necessarily read every single word, yeah. but get all the main ideas yeah. through a chapter. Yeah. Um, and I found that's that good. that's really that. successful because yeah. it both points out this is a good diagram, mm-hmm. and here's what the diagram's showing, mm-hmm. and here's a nice little practice piece of it, mm-hmm. and here's the new vocab, and here's how it all comes mm-hmm. together. And it's also showing them for later, if they're like, oh, I need to go back and look at that again, uh-huh. they know where it is, where to find things, you know, and, and, and can use it themselves. Right. Yeah. And then when I go through and assign practice problems, uh-huh. uh, you know, they 
can never say like, well, you never showed us yes. that. Good idea. It's like, well, I didn't explicitly give you the answer. Yeah. But we did flip right through those pages. Where you could find it. And you could see (laughs) this is the title. Yeah. Hint, hint. Yes. Check that section. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I found a lot of success there in just kind of making the learning obvious. Yes. Right? I'm not making it up. That's what I've learned. I'm not knowing it just because I'm magic. Yes. I'm knowing it because I've read something that has given me some insight. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of what I've learned is you feel like things are so obvious, but then you're realizing that, oh, they're not. Yeah. And or how my thought process is, it's, it is to, good to talk out loud, I know, um, and, and walk them through my thought process to see, to model how to do that. Well, so, especially for us, yes. where we have lived in the educational system yeah. for the last 20 plus years, yeah. both as students and then as teachers. Yeah. And we majored in the stuff that we're teaching. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it seems super obvious Easy. to me. Yeah. Like, how, I, how can you not get this? Right. Yeah. I've been doing this for yeah. literally yeah. 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. College and teaching it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it, yeah. it's not super obvious yeah. if yeah. you have never used the index of your book before. No. Uh, yes, I know. <laughs> or yeah. like, oh, start in the table of contents. Yes. Figure out yeah. where it is. <laughs> Boom. There you go. <laughs> Uh, but they always ask me what chapter is this in and I'm like I don't let's look at okay let's go to the table of contents this is how you figure it out Uh I was like I don't know off the top of my head either I have to use the book so yeah yeah Um, and I think there's some value there yes in showing them yeah I don't have all the answers yes I can think through how to find them Mm -hmm. yes right like I have a bunch of a lot of questions yeah Yeah. we're doing uh orbital forces of gravity Uh Uh, in planets right now in physics. Mm -hmm. And so I have my students asking a lot of questions like, what's the mass of Mars? (laughs) Why would I memorize that? Yeah, totally. Like, let's look it up. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, Uh I get that a a lot of questions or just ones I've never even thought about before. And we'll have to take a moment and kind of work through it together, especially my AP class. I'm like, oh, I never thought about it that way. But you're right, it could be this or that. I said, I don't know for sure. But I mean, that seems plausible or or if it's just an easy one, like something like a factual one. Yeah, Mm -hmm. just let's look it up. Yeah. And I even think there's some value when I do know the answer. Yeah. To pretend that I don't. Yep. Yeah. To make them look it up with me. Yeah. Or like, like, what do you think? yeah, Yeah. I got one today. That was like, how do I take the radius of a circle and make it into the like the perimeter? Mm-hmm. It's like, ooh, there's probably a word for perimeter of a circle, right? Yeah. What's that word? <laughs> oh, circumference. There you go. Okay, what's the equation for that? Yeah. <laughs> oh, if only we could find that somewhere. <laughs> like, well, here's how we Here should we look go. it up. Like, let's go <laughs> yeah. to the computer. Yep. Let's look up. <laughs> yeah what the equation yeah. is. Oh, that's like, cool. Yes, I do have that one yeah. on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. But like, you find it. Yes, yeah. And sometimes it does take you, like I have to, okay, step back. Right. And let them like work their way through with uh-huh. the questions they ask. Yeah. So, yeah. It's like, oh yeah, you, I'm yeah. sure you learned it in fifth grade. Yeah. Let's just recall. Yeah. Or middle school <laughs> yeah. or somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we've talked a little bit about talking strategies. Mm-hmm. We've talked a little bit about reading strategies, mm-hmm. annotating a text. We've talked a little bit about like textbook e strategies. Um, how about organizational strategies? How do you help your students stay organized oh. um, in terms of keeping things in a structure that they can actually access them? Yes. Um, so the last couple of years, I've found that this was very helpful. Or like. Some people call them interactive notebooks. I'm not so great at keeping the left hand one way and the right hand another way or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it's more like an organizational notebook. Um, And so they have a table of contents for each unit. 
We do um, a title page of what the unit is and what the driving questions are for the unit. Um, and then that's where all their work goes in. Like we, I try and make things that fit and I use a composition notebook so it doesn't fall apart as so easily. A, a bound one. A bound one. Uh -huh. um, and we keep a running table of contents as a class. Um, I try and hand back stuff every like two, three assignments and mm -hmm. then we tape them or glue them in. Um, so I feel like that's really helped organize the kids and let them see when I hand something back and they have a blank, blank page, oh, I have this missing. Did I not turn it in? Was I absent? And it kind of sparks them also to ask and to get that stuff made up. Mm -hmm. um, and then I do collect them every unit, check that they did them just to show that it does matter because if I don't do that, then they'll stop doing it. Yep. So, um, and I felt like I don't have as much of the kids coming with their backpacks and just stuff coming all out of them. I also um, do like check-ins or quizzes or assessments um, and oftentimes let them use their notebook. So it's good incentive for them to keep it up to date, take their notes, do all the assignments. Um, and I've really, I've like, I like it. Yeah. It keeps them organized. Um, I really like that. And I also like that it kind of makes it clear which assignments are for learning from. Yes. Like I'll glance at it yeah. and see that you did it. Yes. But I'm not going to correct it for yes. correctness. Yeah. Like you should do it and try to make sure it's right. Yeah. And I'll give you the key for it. Yeah. Like, yeah, go make sure you've got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll go over the right answers, mm -hmm. but I'm not collecting yeah, it other than like glancing. Like, yeah. yes, there yeah. was writing there. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You're doing it so that you can learn it. Yeah. And then there are assessments where I will check for correctness. Yeah. But... I'm trying to help you learn the skills through that. Yeah, and process. I'll try and I do collect some and grade it for sometimes once in a while yeah. just to get them to know like, oh, I am like, I Responsible do, I do, this. yes, and I do care that uh -huh. you are not just BSing through it. Right. So I just, sometimes it's just for doneness. Sometimes once in a while, I'll just take a couple questions and grade them, mm -hmm. give them feedback. So at least they're getting some feedback too. Yeah. So I kind of um, do all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I use a similar system. Yeah. I have bound note, but that doesn't have to be bound. Yeah. They could use spiral bound if they really yeah. want to, but um, some kind of composition book. I yeah. like the graph paper composition books because mm -hmm. um, it lets you do a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but, and then I keep like a running tally mm -hmm. of on the board mm -hmm. of here's what every single page should be yes. for this semester. Mm -hmm. So pages 35 through 58, mm -hmm. like here's what everyone should be. Yes. And then when we add something new, I'll page number it mm -hmm. as I'm doing it and say that it's in. Yes. Um, I still haven't reached the level of organization where I can handle the taping pages inside. Mm -hmm. That just, it's tough for me. <laughs> um, but I have like a hand, yeah. handwritten version yeah. in the notebook. Yeah. And then we keep a, a binder table of contents too. Okay. So I use letters for my binder papers. Mm -hmm. Like if I give you a handout, oh, this becomes page P. Okay. Um, and then the next one will be page Q. Yeah. So theoretically... Those should also be in uh, order. Yes. In your binder. Uh huh. That's eh, a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. part's a work in progress, yeah. but yes. we're we're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So you've got like an organizational system for their work. Yes. For their work. Uh huh. Um, how about in terms of like lab processing of information? Organization part. Yeah. Or, or you mean um, like. Like, well, let's say... What, they're we, doing a lab, and then how do they... Yeah, we've we've found something. Yes. Um, how do they go about expressing what they've found? 
So something like their claim, yeah. evidence, reason kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. Yes, yeah, we practice that a lot. Um, so what, what were they trying to investigate in the first place? Um, what was their hypothesis? You know, those kind of things. So, um, but then at the end, well, what's the claim? What did they find out? What was was there like a relationship or something like that? Um, and then they have to really back it up with evidence, whether that's citing specific data or um, trends in a graph or something like that. I try mm-hmm. and get them to be as specific as possible in whatever they collected. And then one of the more important parts, though, is to give me the reason or the concepts behind um, the lab and what they found and can they explain it in those terms the science principles yes, that connect yeah. the evidence they gather yeah. to the claim that they're making yes yeah yes uh, yeah i really love using the claim evidence reasoning poster format to okay. start yep. mm-hmm. um, and i have mine make like a t shape mm-hmm. so there's like a large space at the top yep and then two columns underneath and i have them to put the claim at the very top yep the evidence mm-hmm. is the first column, mm-hmm. and then the reasoning is the second mm-hmm. column, and that way they can match evidence the to the science behind yes. the evidence. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so it almost makes like a triangle mm-hmm. of like your claim is based on your evidence mm-hmm. and based on your reasoning mm-hmm. that's down there in the foundation. They support it, that yes. Then pushes up onto the claim. Yeah, oh, that's a good visual. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the other thing like that, that we talk about is that while you usually say the claim first. Mm-hmm. As a scientist or mm-hmm. as a thinking human, yes. we should be processing the evidence yes. first, True. using some reasoning, mm-hmm. and then making the claim last. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you should do those boxes in reverse order, mm-hmm. evidence, reasoning, mm-hmm. claim. I like that. Um, yeah. I have to try that. And I like that one in pairs uh-huh. or threes. Oh, yeah. So if they're doing it like as a group. Uh-huh. And then... Right. It's almost like brainstorming. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like a brainstorming mm-hmm. piece. Mm-hmm. And then they can use all that information... Mm-hmm. If they have to write a conclusion paragraph, because mm-hmm. we On use like a similar process, yep. clear claim, yes. lead in evidence yeah. analysis and repeat evidence yes. and analysis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they use that claim evidence reasoning poster to help them as the outline mm-hmm. for their clear paragraph. Mm. I like that. I like the scaffolding. Yeah. And it yes. adds in some like visual mm-hmm. and moving into a writing piece. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Good. It's kind of a fun one. Yeah. Um, okay. So... We've talked a little bit about admitting when you don't know stuff and looking it up. <laughs> yep. And even admitting that you don't know stuff when you do. Yes. To yes. Sneak attack yep. learning in there. <laughs> ha ha. You do know it. Um, we've talked a little bit about constant teacher motion mm-hmm. and checking in with students. Yep. Um, another one that I've tried, we've talked a, lot, a little bit about like textbook walkthroughs. Yep. Um, another one that I have tried and really like is setting myself a talking timer. So uh, my wife teaches first grade, Mm -hmm. and one of her brain development pieces is that kids and human beings generally Mm -hmm. can usually focus and stay on one topic for their age plus one. Mm, So if we have Mm 14-year-olds, freshmen, Mm -hmm. they can focus for about 15 minutes. And that matches what you were talking about, about shifting activities multiple times in class. yes. It, we can't have them doing one thing yes. for a full hour and a half. No. <laughs> because they will lose focus during that piece. Yes. And so, even changing, they lose focus. But right. Yes. Yeah. And so alternating back and forth between mm-hmm. things keeps you on 15 minute timers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm generally okay if they're active and continuing to be active with it, like yeah. keep this going. Yes. But it might be like 15 minutes of doing a lab, 15 minutes of processing the information, 15 minutes of writing up mm-hmm. what you found. Yes, I agree. Um, and the one that I am the worst at 
is once I get going on something that I find interesting, I will just go and go and go. <laughs> and so I found that I actually have to set myself a talking timer. Mm-hmm. Like if I know that my students can focus for 15 minutes, I'll pull my phone out, set a timer for myself mm-hmm. for 14 minutes. Good. Yeah. When the buzzer goes off, and I'll tell the students, yeah. I'm setting myself a timer. Oh, I love it. I'm yes. going to stop at 15, yeah. but the buzzer's going to go off at 14. Uh, so that when, when the buzzer goes off, yeah. I know, oh, crap, I got to wrap it up. Yeah. But it also gives me some time pressure through the whole thing mm-hmm. so that it's like a race between me and the students. Mm-hmm. And the students are kind of into it because they know that the time's I'm on. Going. The, yeah, the timer's on. And like, no, we don't have time to stop and get off track right now. Yes. Like, you've only got yes. 11 minutes remaining. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so like having that visible time yeah. going. Yeah. Is kind of like a bonus way of just like making sure I don't fall prey to my own bad habits, yeah, (laughs) and that I actually follow the principles that I want to follow. Yes, which is all the way through active Mm -hmm. students, Mm -hmm. them doing stuff, not just listening. Yes, and I'm not much as as, I don't talk as much, and my focus has always been on like what are they going to do during that period. Yeah, not really what I'm, but I'm going to help them. But I'm not a big it's just my personality. Yeah. I don't love to talk. So, um, oh, you're a much better person than I am. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> um, cool. The other piece is the balance of how often should we give answers to questions that we're asking of students? Because, like, what do you mean? Like, so, like, let's say you have students working on uh, some questions in class, mm-hmm. uh, a warm up question, mm-hmm. some homework questions, mm-hmm. what have you. Mm-hmm. At the end, Mm -hmm. do you give them the answer to every question? Or is there some value in letting the mystery sit out there? Oh, it depends. Yes. Yeah. We just did. Because my first gut reaction was give an answer to every question that you assign. Like if I'm bothering to ask it, it's because I want you to work on it. Mm -hmm. But then I realized in the last couple days... I've had my students working on creating a model uh-huh. of solar system motion. Okay. And they're coming up with some stuff that's really complex, and they might not get to a perfect model. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to get to a point where I don't know the answer, mm-hmm. but they're working on questions that we just genuinely don't know the answer to. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying to create a model, and we don't have enough data uh-huh. to say, well, like, well, why does gravity work the way it is? Yes. And I, then it's like, well, there's there's a bunch of ideas. And yes. There's this soggy mattress idea. Yeah, yeah. Saggy mattress idea. Uh-huh. And then there's also this idea that maybe there's tiny particles that we could call like gravitrons mm-hmm. that are creating hmm. gravity. But the short answer is we, we, know, know. We, we know what happens. Yeah. We know that there's a force between things. We don't totally know the why. Yes. Or the how. How, it, like where, where, where yeah. does gravity come from? Mm-hmm. Oy. Yeah. I don't know. Yes. So... Yeah, I do think that that's okay. Like, I think that you could do both, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, in the, the STEM biotech program, when they do their, um, you know, solve a real-world problem using biotechnology, and they come up with these models or ideas, I don't know. Like, I, I don't have enough background on some of the stuff. Yeah. And there's not enough information or they can't find it, but they're coming up with these kind of models or ideas of how to solve it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's feasible or not. Yeah. But I love where they go with it. And mm-hmm. the ideas that they come up with are pretty amazing sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. 
I think my my balance uh-huh. is if I know that there's a right answer, uh-huh. if I'm asking it because there's a right answer, let's say. And you want them to know found, the right answer? If it's foundation yes. knowledge. Agre- yes. If it's foundational knowledge, uh-huh. like you need to know these vocab terms, you need to know how to solve this, uh-huh. then I'll make them work on it. Yes. But once they've showed me that they've worked on it and they've given it a good effort, uh-huh. then I will give them the right answer for everything. Yes, as long as they put in some effort to yes. think about it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like I agree. eventually mm-hmm. post my key mm-hmm. for every problem that I assign. Yes. Classwork and homework. Yeah. There are Synthesics. some problems yeah. that are more big picture thinking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where I might just let it sit out there. Yeah. I think, yeah. Right? Like yeah. Philosophically, what's the right way to X, Y, Z? Yeah. And like, it's really just looking at how how they present their argument right. or their answer. Let's discuss or, it. Yeah. Cool. It's more about in the writing and than the, the end, ideas. I'm not going to tell you what I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's okay. Yeah. Um, but I do think there's some value in if I'm bothering to have you work on a question. Agree. That's a foundation mm-hmm. knowledge piece mm-hmm. that's not a deeper thinking. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure you know the right answer yes. at the end. So that you can then go on to those deeper, answering deeper right. questions or let's, higher level let's questions. Let's double check. Yes. So like if I assign a homework so assignment, foundation. Yeah. I will post the key for it. Yeah. I'll walk around the room, check mm-hmm. that you did it, mm-hmm. and now here's the key. Yeah. If I don't explicitly grade it for correctness, then a lot of times I'll go over, I'll, you know, they did it. But then oftentimes if it is valuable, like a foundation thing, like an AP or my AP mm-hmm. bio class, I will go take the time to go through the answers and let them see where they made their own mistakes, kind of that kind of thing, so that they can move on from there nice. and then use that information. Cool. Um, well, that's outstanding. Yeah. Uh, let's end okay. with a couple little like, oh, one more before yeah. before we oh. get to the the fun ending part. <laughs> okay, let's oh, do the fun uh, data analysis piece. Oh, okay. Um, so like when they're interpreting numbers or graphs, like science is a great hybrid yes. between language and vocabulary mm-hmm. and reading yes. and writing and numerical quantitative stuff. Yes. How do you help students interpret graphs or parse through numbers? Um, so I think it takes a lot of practice going through and modeling. Um, I just came across um, a strategy called the I2 strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, identi- identify and interpret is the I2. I think it's from BCSC. Okay. Um, and it's great about, like, it makes them take it step by step. Take the graph, um, have them really look at, first of all, you know, what's on the Y, what's on the X, what do they see first? So mm-hmm. the first question is, what do I see? And they draw arrows and label like I see the line going up I see it stops here this is my is the peak goes down here you know so they're just describing what they see first just so that they make sure that they're seeing everything and Mm -hmm. taking it all in and then um, have them put the kind of what does that mean if the line is going up now they have to look at the x and the y-axis and explain well what does that mean Mm -hmm. in relationship to what's on the graph and then putting that all together um, in like a description mm-hmm. it help helping them write like a caption or describing um, their the graph that they see oh that's cool and I think that would give them a little bit more time like just not glancing at it and trying to like find out an answer to a question or whatever but to really look at the graph and what is it saying what is it showing what's it saying yeah I yeah. think that's a good one because like I a lot of us who have become science or math teachers mm-hmm. We just kind of do it instinctually. Yes. Like I glance at something mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, I can see where the trend is there. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so when I'm trying to teach students how to do it, yeah. I would sometimes go it backwards. Yep. And like, okay, well, step one, 
look at the two axes mm-hmm. and figure out what's there. Yeah. And now tell me what the trend, but I think looking at the trend first, mm-hmm. make sure that they don't get lost in the weeds. Yes. And they don't get lost on like, what is this? You yeah. Know, getting yeah. into the numbers first. Yeah. So, okay. So it's 10,000. Yeah. 10,000 what? Yeah. Or oftentimes, for especially my AP class, there's many lines or oh. thing, there's many things on the graph. Uh-huh. And if they if they just practice learning to physically, like as they're reading the description label, because uh. oftentimes when there's like two, three lines, you're getting lost on what each of the symbols mean. And uh-huh. so just kind of taking that time to make notations on it mm-hmm. when they get to whatever they need to do for that question, they have it all right there. They've already kind of gone through it. Nice. Yeah. So almost treating it like a text to mm-hmm. be annotated. Yes. Where you're marking it up. Yes, good analogy. And yes. annotating the graph. Yep. So that then you can figure out what the trend is mm-hmm. and what it's generally mm-hmm. showing. Yeah. What it's, huh. what it's saying. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Okay, let's end with a couple fun ones. Mm-hmm. Um, just fun okay. things that are teacher-y strategies that you do in or out of your classroom. Um, so I'll throw one out there. Yeah, give me an idea. And uh, see what we can bounce <laughs> off of. So one of the things that I've done is something that I stole from being a camp counselor. Okay. Uh, when I was in college, I was a summer camp counselor mm-hmm. uh, for four or five summers. Mm-hmm. And at the end of each session, we would give like little awards mm-hmm. to each kid mm-hmm. in the cabin. And they were generally pretty silly. Yeah. We tried to make some kind of analogy between the kid and... I don't know, a street sign. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you get the yield award. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, and I've tried to bring that into my class uh-huh. uh, and try to give, like, awards to students, uh-huh. just recognizing them for one characteristic mm-hmm. that I value mm-hmm. that I saw them demonstrate really strongly. Yes. And sometimes it's not their strongest characteristic. Yeah. But it's just, look, I really value active listening. Mm-hmm. And you're an outstanding student. But you are so good at making eye contact mm-hmm. and nodding. Mm-hmm. It's like I knew your name on the first day of school mm-hmm. because you were really appeared to be paying attention. Yes. Um, um, so I've, I go through and kind of like try to come up with student awards. Yeah. It's not an every year thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was like, oh, that's a lot of. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because 30 kids per class. Yeah. Uh, three to five classes. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of mm-hmm. things to come up with. Yeah. Um, but I think it says it shows what I value mm-hmm. and reinforces that Yep, and shows that I care about them as people as much as I care about their academic performance. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I do anything as fun, but I definitely go around. And if I notice something like today, we had presentations and I had a couple students really do well. And one of them, I didn't think he was going to do so well with his eye contact mm. and knowing his information. Mm-hmm. And I had two other girls that I was just like, because we've been working on it and really impressed. These are students I wouldn't think uh-huh. would have done that well. And I just took, you know, taking the time to just stop and individually say, you did a great job on that eye contact and you really knew your information. Um, like on instead of just doing it on the paper that I'm grading, but mm-hmm. to actually go and um, physically and do face to face. So um, I do do that. Um, I'm trying I to think, think what other. I think that small immediate feedback yeah. is so powerful. Yeah, they were like, "Oh, oh, thanks." Uh-huh. It was so nice. Well, it's like I got to do that more often. For you know, it just reminds you to do that a little bit more often. Like, um, a and kid, especially yeah. in high school, yeah. we have so many students yeah. that I'm not sure how often our students really get the mm-hmm. positive feedback mm-hmm. that we're thinking yes, yes. and just don't take the time to express. Say. Mm-hmm. Because the ones who are not doing the positive stuff usually get all our attention. Right. And so it's nice to 
Yeah. To, you have to take yourself yeah. out yeah. of a point of frustration yeah. and say like, okay, yes, the fact that that one kid was yeah. off task but look at these doesn't two. mean that yeah. I can't pay attention yeah. to the four over here that who are, are doing great. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. I don't know what other fun things so I do. <laughs> build, building on yours, um, another one that I have tried a couple times uh-huh. in the last couple of years is just sending positive emails home. Yes. Um, and it's almost like my little that. Christmas present to myself. <laughs> because inevitably, if you send a glowing email home to a parent, yeah. uh, the kid comes back super fired oh, up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the parent often sends a really nice email back <laughs> yeah. about how much they love your class. And, you so and you're like, oh, I'm doing okay. <laughs> I'm doing all right. I know. I used to do uh, that so much more, but now I haven't in a while. So it's a good reminder. It's tough. Yeah. Because, again, you yeah. fall into the, like, all right, solving problems, solving problems. Yes. And on the weeks, months, whatever, when I'm able to take two hours mm-hmm. and go through, I go through my like whole roster yeah, the list. Uh-huh. and go through like, who have I seen do something awesome uh-huh. in the last month? Yeah. Oh, that kid did that. That kid did that. Yeah. Great. And I come up with a list of, I don't know, 10, uh-huh. 20, depending. And, th- and then send it out. And then try to just mm-hmm. bang them all out mm-hmm. one in a row. Yeah. Like, here's specifically what they did. Mm-hmm. They're setting an excellent example. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for continuing to raise great humans. Yes. Yeah. That's um, nice. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think a, about it in, you know, when you first start teaching, and now I've kind of gotten out of some habits. So it's uh-huh. nice um, to remember all those things yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's a tough one to kind of keep doing because mm-hmm. it's not an everyday thing. No. Uh, it's a have to make time mm-hmm. to do the positive. Yes, agree. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And focus on that. Lovely. Yes, yes. Well, on that, that note, well, thank you. Jennifer Carla Magno, <laughs> thank you so much yes. for joining us. Thank you for having me. Of course. <laughs>